slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle, with Scare, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. I'm your host, Emily Druck, and on tonight's show, we are continuing our original versus remake discussion. And, you know, be sure to stay connected with us over on Twitter at Handle with Scare. And, of course, you can always join us every Tuesday night for Twisted Tuesday over on Kick for our weekly movie nights at kick.com. And that's every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Now with that out of the way on tap tonight, we have Suspiria 1977 and its remake, which came out in 2018, uh, which was one of the Amazon studio releases. And here to help me break everything down, of course, is my co-host Grindhouse Zombie and Zombie. Uh, you know, like we we're not playing it safe this week. We basically went from wreck versus quarantine which is uh more paint by the numbers in regards to uh the stereotypical u.s remake which was essentially just doubling the body counts but having a lot of similarities to the original uh to two movies that while there are some components in regards to the screenplay that carry over from one version to the other have several differences both in regards to the color schemes uh, the the use of dance in both movies uh, to uh, just the the casting roles in particular are, are pretty unique for the remake as well. But really, we have an expansion of lore, uh, which we didn't really get in the original because it kind of like took the course of the the Mother's Trilogy in order to kind of have all of that groundwork laid out for you as a viewer. So going to be an interesting discussion to say the least tonight. Oh, yeah, let's go with that. Um, we were discussing pre-show um, when we went into this uh, original versus remake and specifically uh, call it a foreign original versus an American remake. Um, and we were struggling to be like, well, I mean, most of the time, mm -hmm. the foreign movie is almost always better. I mean, just without a doubt. I mean, I I love American cinema, but when... It's a remake is usually not done from the heart. It's done from the wallet. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we know what that generally gets us. Um, this is one of those ones where for both movies, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. Um, I get that the original Suspiria was a, just a fucking technicolor fever dream. Like I totally get it. And, and to your point, the 2018 remake is the colors are so bland it's almost depressing <laughs> um and so it uh, conceptually while they're the same title and they have basically the same theme they are literally polar opposites which is at something that i don't think you often see in a remake yeah, there, there are definitely some beats that are very similar to the original, but there's enough deviations to it that really makes this stand out on its own. 
Because, like, when you're talking about the source material and, like, if you're remaking something, you don't want it to be beat by beat. You want to throw in some surprises here and there to, like, throw you off the scent of the trail. And Suspiria 2018 honestly does that in spades compared to just about every other remake I can think of. Uh, especially the ones that are, you know, within the wheelhouse of the, you know, parameters that we were using for our movie selections for the month. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, we have the 2018 uh, structure and plot, a lot of which comes directly from Argento's 1977 version. And if we're talking about similarities uh, in that regard, you know, both versions feature an American dance student named Susie Banyan, uh, who comes to this prestigious dance academy in Germany, and she quickly kind of, like, finds herself in the middle of the mysteries surrounding the school. Uh, now, you know, this, of course, includes the the witches, uh, which, in the remake, definitely more fleshed out. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, but, you know, Susie quickly becomes friends with another one of the students named, named Sarah, who goes on to investigate the witches, uh, both of which, you know, leads to a gruesome end. You know, like falling into a pit, you know, in the floor. Uh, and, you know, we also kind of like look at the hierarchy of the coven as well, as well as having uh, Manon Blanc, who is the basically like the public face of the dance academy in this case. And, you know, she also has like a right-handed woman, Miss Tanner, uh, who does a lot of like the training uh, for the students for the dance classes. And, uh, yeah, we also kind of have, like, this unseen headmistress that is, like, kind of, like, in the shadows throughout the majority of the movie up until third and final act. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously a lot more to that because she really is, like, this malevolent force in these movies. Uh, but, you know, who and, like, what she is in particular are kind of, like, kept under wraps until, like, the very end, because that is the big unveiling towards the end of uh, both of these movies. Well, yeah, even Star Wars was smart enough to keep Jabba the Hutt hidden for a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I think that the setting of the remake, um, I think, to me, was it maybe one of the more interesting parts of the film to me. Mm -hmm. Um you know, set during the the German autumn, um, and when we had, you know, the the wall is up, and we've got bombings, and we've got, you know, um, <clears throat> sort of these independent group of fighters that are doing things. And it was interesting how they how they they played off of that a little bit, and then like how sometimes it wasn't safe to go out at night and things like that. Um, all while continuously feeding you the idea that the the school itself was like like you said guided by a malevolent force that was you know you, you sort of really didn't know what was happening i mean now it, and i honestly liked the fact with this one that it was not a beat by beat remake i mean we had talked about um wreck and quarantine and quarantine was pretty close to a beat by beat remake you know uh, with the exception of the body count and this this went somewhere different which um made it more interesting but it also like i i don't know i don't know if you feel this way but there's something about the first time you see a movie right like it's ne i mean most 99 percent of movies are never as good as the first time you see them even if it's not a good movie it's never as good as the first time you see it um and 
So going into the remake, because I hadn't seen it up till then, and up till now, and I was like, ugh, just like, and I, I think I've pretty much told you, I'm, I'm not super hot on the original. I mean, I, I, I get that it's got a cult following, and but I just, but it's never going to be in my top 100. Let's just put it that way. So it was fun to get um, something different. I mean, pretty much immediately out of the gate, it was like, oh wait, this is not, you know, the same thing. Um, and then again, like this one with the cast in this, I mean, and especially having Tilda Swenson playing three different characters in the movie, I thought was really cool. And that little sub story um, of the of the psychologist was uh, honestly something different and something that at it elevated the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the remake has an all-female cast, uh, because, like, really the only male uh, character in the movie is also played by Matilda, <laughs> yeah, which is exactly. absolutely fantastic. Uh, so, Agreed. really, she plays, like, the, the whole Mia Goth-type role uh, in this case. Uh, I I didn't put that together, but I should have, <laughs> because I sort of like Mia Goth. But, seeing as she's okay. also in the remake. Uh, but, yeah. So, the 2018 version adds uh, some interesting pieces to the story of the Three Mothers. Uh, so, for those that aren't too familiar with the lore... Uh, of the three mothers. You basically have these three ancient witches who each run a different coven somewhere in the world. And, you know, that is mostly hinted at in the 1977 version of Suspiria, but it wasn't explored more until uh, the sequel, which was Inferno, which came out in 1980. So in Inferno, we have the protagonist who discovers a book called The Three Mothers, which details each, you know, modern uh, sus- God, I'm going to butcher these names because they're just so ridiculous. Uh, Suspiriorum, uh, you have Mater Tenebrarum, and then Mater... Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm trying to remember how do you actually pronounce these because they're so weird. Uh, Lacrimorum, and then you have, uh, you know, otherwise known as, you know, the Mother of Sights, Darkness, and Tears, respectively. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the fact that when we're talking about the three mothers, the the remake completely flips it on its head because they do a little bait and switch in regards to one of the characters, which also entails the three mothers, which is absolutely fantastic. But of course, it comes into the, the third act of the movie. Uh, and, you know, when we're talking about the original Suspiria, you know, we, we have Susie, uh, who... Throughout the entirety of the movie is really seen as the outsider. You know, she's constantly being threatened by, you know, itching too close to the truth when it comes to uh, the mysteries revolving around the school. And in the end, uh, you know, we see her plunge a shard of the, you know, crystal peacock into the neck of Helena Marcos, who is the mother of uh, mother of sights in this uh, but in the remake, you have Tilda Swinton, who was just like this really disgusting, decrepit-looking Elena Marcos. Uh, and so she's portrayed as like this really old, sickly witch uh, in this case. Uh, but Susie in the remake is actually the reincarnation of the Mother of Sight. Uh, and they basically like use her dance training uh, with Madame Blanc to fully actualize her powers. Uh, so two completely direct different directions with how they, you know, portray the mother. You know, one is, you know, just an individual person. And in the remake, it's more finding the vessel 
you know, we're upgraded to the newer model, essentially, <laughs> with the remake. Oh, well, pretty much. I mean, well, I mean, firstly, going back to the uh, original Argento film, having the American character put in the situation was very much a giallo-ish thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and there were lots of, I mean, and this is this is definitely like post-hammer horror when they were doing all these things, but there's a lot of movies, even going, I'll pull a rabbit out of my hat from the nightclub and say Mystics of Bali did the same thing. You know, here's our fun, and then, then they had it played by, I think it was a German actress, which made no sense. But um, there's a little piece of me who's, like, I sort of want to take a shot at these names now that you did. <laughs> so I'm going <gonna laughs> to just go with the, you know, what they actually mean. It's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and I, I love that they say mater instead of, you know, mother. Mm. So the mater suspirium, who is the mother of size, uh, mater tenenbramum, who is the mother of darkness, and uh, mater lacrimarum, which is the mother of tears. <laughs> I, I probably pronounced them completely differently than you did, but I had to take a shot because it seems fun. Yep, just my, uh, yeah, my speech impediment, just completely yeah. going off the rails. But, you know, good times. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I'm with you right there. But, yeah, and I think to your point about how they treat the they treat the lore differently, because um, they definitely do, but they almost try to pack... I mean, they try to almost pack the lore from three movies into one. Yep. Um, which now that I think about it, actually, because having seen Inferno and Mother of Tears, I mean, definitely other movies, but lore wise, I mean, just in, even when we were trying to pick for Twisted Tuesday, it's like, well, we, we showed the original first because it was the shortest one and it just kind of made sense, you know? And I mean, the people on Twisted Tuesday are great, but they're also, they have short attention spans. So it's like, <laughs> why, why not give, you know, give the short one? But it actually makes more sense as to the to the length of the movie. Um, going back to the remake, um, for the first 30 minutes of this movie, watching it, it was like, why Dakota Johnson? Like, why? Like, if she didn't... For the first 30 minutes of this movie, I was just... I had my arms folded like... This was not a good casting choice. And somewhere into the third act, I was like, all right, okay, well, fine, damn it. Okay, yeah. And so then I was completely on board. But when I first got started, she didn't have the... She didn't have the... The thing that Jessica Harper had in the original. She just didn't have it. Now, I, I think she found it, but I think it took a while. Yeah, it was more like uh, during the dance routines, it's like, all right, we're going to stick my ass out a little bit to, like, distract you from, like, everything else falling around us at this point in time. Uh, which, well, you know, which is, I'm, I'm not complaining about. But, yeah, I, bad, I, I, I know what you mean thing. because it's like, you know, you, you come from Jessica Harper who has more of that, like, honestly, like, it's more of a girl next door look to her. Like, more of an everyday American woman. And then you just have Dakota Johnson who... I'm trying to remember, like, I mean, obviously this was after Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades, if that's not how you do it at all, ever. Yeah, no. basically. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if they're like, oh, well, like, that's really popular. So, like, I, I, I didn't read up enough on the remake to know, like, whether she was, like, the front runner or, like, who else was, like, within the pool that they were looking at in regards to this, this, uh, this role in the movie. 
Well, I mean, she had she she didn't have the she didn't have the Dorothy from Kansas thing. Mm -hmm. She just didn't have the thing, and and that's what that's what Jessica Harper had. She had the the tornado just ended, the house just crashed, and I'm here in Berlin thing. Um, Dakota Johnson did not have that. She did not give off that vibe. She and I mean, admittedly, and this could be part of it too, is that she already. Because Jessica Harper didn't didn't walk into the role like almost oozing sexuality, mm-hmm. and Dakota Johnson did. And uh, with that, it's almost like it it puts your mind. I mean, I, I think you get this. It puts your mind in a different place right when you get started. Mm-hmm. It's like just hurry up and get naked, princess. Let's go. Um, and with Jessica Harper, it, it it wasn't that at all. She was just too innocent, and you didn't ever figure that that was going to happen. You know, when you kind of wanted to see what happened to her, it's like I, with with the remake, I sort of figured, yeah, I I've got a little bit of an idea where this is going to go. Now, not no granted, they did a better job with the delivery, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So really, the the biggest like contrast between the two is the remake giving us more of a uh, muted tread, kind of like throughout in regards to the tone, whether it was like with the music or the color palettes, as you had mentioned. Uh, you know, it's also set in the cyber period in time and place, namely 1977 Berlin, uh, where you know the wall stands. People are going through, uh, you know, a lot of ordeals to traverse. Uh, from West Germany into the Soviet-run East. Uh, and, you know, you, you already kind of, like, mentioned, like, the po- political unrest that kind of happens. And in the remake, you know, we have Patricia's motivations, uh, whose, you know, disappearance really sparks the action in both of the movies. Uh, but, you know, it kind of portrays her to be, like, a secret revolutionary against communists in this case. Uh but the, the one thing that, like, really stood out to me in the remake was just the use of dance is completely different. Uh, because, like, the whole time we're leading up to, like, this big performance in the remake, and a lot of the dance that we do see is more uh, interpretive, it's more modern, as opposed to uh, in the original Suspiria. It was more like the classical ballet, uh, more akin to, like, what we would get, you know, later on in movies, like, you know, Black Swan. Uh, for example, but it's, it was just so weird, you know, like on a first time watch going from, you know, as you mentioned, like the Technicolor fever dream to something that is just a lot of browns and grays and feels so tone deaf in the color palette that it's just like, you really don't get that like Argento red until the very final act of the remake, which you know, going in, you know, it's it's weird because it's like with remakes, you you don't necessarily want something that's shot by shot. You you want something to be a little bit more grounded. But like this movie does things so drastically different that it really does feel like two completely different movies for a number of different reasons. But just the, the total shift and the fact that the remake doesn't really have like the, the Jalo uh, inspiration really anywhere in the movie was like one of the more bewildering things to me on like a first time watch but at the same time like I can't fault the movie for it because there there are so many times when I watch a remake and I'm just like okay like there's a lot of like one note remakes out there that that came out in the US and there's just been a plethora of them you know there's only like five or six that I would say like really 
took me by surprise with like how good they are. Uh, but you know, this was one that I'm just like, I was very appreciative of the different directions that it took. But at the same time, it's like, I, I had set expectations for, okay, like, sure, this is definitely going to be a horror movie, but then it ended up being something that was so, like, witchcraft-based, and I, I was so off-put by it initially. But it's, over time, definitely won me over, uh, you know, on rewatch. Well, sure. So, <clears throat> I think whoever did, like, the costume design and the set design for this probably had watched Saving Private Ryan really recently mm -hmm. um because even with our introduction of uh when we see we first see Chloe grace moretz come in her, her character and she's basically half insane whatever else she looks like somebody who has been hiding under an attic in 1944 poland mm -hmm. forever um and so i mean uh, you're right totally right off the bat it's like wait am i am i watching the right thing is this the remake you know, it is okay that's, that's what it says um, but I also think that's a big piece of where it differentiated itself because when it did bring that Technicolor fever dream back later, it did it in spades. <clears throat> and I almost appreciated it more that it came in, you know, maybe halfway through the third act, maybe almost even three quarters way through. But when it came in, it came in hot and it came in hard versus the remake where the colors were almost... They they were almost too much, I mean, and I get it. I get it. Very very giallo, very vibrant. I, I get all that. Um, but to take something like Suspiria, which has a cult following, and remake it and say, you know what, we're not going to follow the tone at all. We're just going to do something completely different. And again, they were in the what they called the German autumn, and there was you know lots of. Uh, independent freedom fighters and bombings and things like going on. I thought that was honestly kind of bold because they did factor that in a few times. Um, but I think that's also how they were able to expand the character base and give us so many more characters. And even down to the, to the psychologist who was, you know, portrayed as maybe a 78 to 82 year old man. Um, again, played by Tilda Swinton and brilliantly, Funny enough, though, the first time I watched this, the first time I saw a psychologist, I'm like, that's Tilda Swinton. <laughs> like, and it was like, no, it can't be. So I had to pause the movie and I'm like, oh, shit, it is. So I'm not sure what piece of that gave it away so fast, at least in my head. Maybe I've just seen too many movies. Um, yeah, but the, for a remake to so at 180 and turn its back on the vibe of the original movie and to deliver what is... And I'm just going to say it now, <laughs> a remake that was better than the original really is something impressive and profound. Now, I, I will say with the original, if we're talking about physical media releases, the 4K restoration for Suspiria is bar none the best restoration out there. And I highly recommend yeah. if you haven't seen the 4K to go out and buy it. Uh, you know, whether it's through uh, Synapse or at the conventions that they're at, it is just a, a thing to behold. Like, the, the colors really pop in that more so than really anything else that I've upgraded at this point. Uh, and so I know, like, that's probably the, the one physical release that they're most proud of up to this point in time. And uh, it's definitely 
stood the test at this point. Uh, but the remake, you know, as we mentioned, you know, the, the third act definitely offers more of the uh, orgy of gore, for lack of a better term. That's when we have, like, the red-soaked room for the ending. Uh, but that's really the only sequence that is really reminiscent of that Argento red style that, you know, we were so accustomed to in the 77 version. Uh, you know, the the remake also does a lot of more, like, unsettling-type uh, visions. We also have, like, lawn moments of the body horror. Uh, we have, like, Olga's mm. body, which is, like, twisted and broken during Susie's initial dance. Oh, uh, instead of her, you know, being chased by a black-gloved specter with a knife and falling into the pit of razor wire, which, still, that is also a fantastic scene. But... I I will never forget the first time I watched the remake and we got to the whole pretzel scene with mm -hmm. the dance and like the incantation and seeing like how everything was unfolded. And I was just so mystified and like drawn in. I was like, holy shit. Like it was one of the most like intense moments that I'd had in quite some time. And just seeing the... You know, like, the practical effects and obviously all of, like, the, um, like, the synthetic work that they did with a lot of, like, the dummy pieces and everything for that scene. It's just, like, man, like, you have to, like, stand up and applaud because, like, that was definitely something to behold. And it, it's really, I think, the one sequence in the remake that I'm just constantly thinking about whenever this movie comes into a discussion. It was just so well done. I'm just, like, man... And just the fact that, like, it's in, like, a separate room, it's, like, a mirrored room below the dance floor just made it that much more impactful on top of that. So, just a, a great scene overall. But the the whole, like, razor wire scene just makes me laugh, to be honest, because it's like, oh, like, we're having a chase scene, and all of a sudden you just, there's a pen, and, you know, there's a bunch of, like, razor wire. But, like, the whole time, you know, we, we have the sequence where it's like, okay, like, we have, like, the scalpel, and we're, like, trying to break into the room, and it's, like, so slow and methodical, and it's just like, well, just... Use a little force, goddammit! Like, what the hell are you doing? It's just like, it's just like, tantalizing you and like teasing you it's almost like foreplay because obviously like you know what's on the other side of the window but it's just like if you regard like as a viewer you're like well what the hell is actually going on here it's like are you in a hurry to actually get a hold of this woman because it sure as hell doesn't feel like it well see for me so my wife as her we'll call it her side job slash side hobby is a ballerina mm -hmm. and actually produces and directs ballets. So watching that whole scene with, with Olga as um, the one scene is happening and then Olga is, I mean, nothing short of almost being disarticulated with every move of the other one. Mm -hmm. Now for me, when I saw it, I don't know why this is, and it might be woefully inaccurate, but I got a weird, like, showgirls vibe, and I don't know why, but I got this weird, and just the, and I think it, maybe it might be the mo the more modern dance piece of it that gave me a little bit of a showgirls vibe, but having watched my wife produce these ballets, and, and, and these people do these things, and they work so hard on it, it's like, I've seen the intensity now, granted, I've never seen the intensity to the point where someone's arm is wrapped completely around them and then their rib cage separates. But there's a piece of me that can see it. <laughs> so that scene for me, like there was a couple times where I had to like pause and just go, 
Ooh, wow. <laughs> and then, okay, okay. And then back in, and then, and it was, and it was not a, it wasn't a two minute scene, right? Mm-hmm. It was, I would guess 10 to 12 minutes of, of this woman just, they use, they use the dance, I think, in the remake much better to convey the power of the coven mm-hmm. than they do in the original. And it, while you might be a person who thinks you hold a certain place in this group, that there's always the potential for someone in to come in and take your place. But when somebody takes your place, that's what it looks like. When somebody, you're literally broken down into your <laughs> your constituent parts and left in a puddle on the floor. Uh, and it was, yeah, that whole scene is like, I, I will go back and just watch that scene in the movie because it is so good. Um, but again, the, the body horror piece of it. I mean, if, if you're not somebody that likes body horror, like don't watch this <laughs> because because you'll have nightmares. But if you like body horror, I mean, just between Dakota Johnson dancing and I, I think she's actually I probably looks like what I've seen a pretty good dancer. She knows how to do all that thing. But just watching the transitions and how one dance move translates into pain for somebody else. Oh, my God, is it fantastic? It's. It's a deep seated. We've all had it where we've had a job or we've had something where we want to take it from somebody else and we'll do anything to do it. And this is like the translation of it. You actually get to see it played out and it it leaves you with that feeling like if I get the opportunity to do that, it's going to be so satisfying. And I'm just, oh, yeah, it was just it was wonderful. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, use of the hands, which might be why you're making the showgirls comparison, because there is a lot of like hand motions, you know, throughout the incantation that is uh, is happening at the time. But everything is just like so powerful and like direct, you know, it's not like it doesn't feel labored at all. Everything is just so pronounced and just impactful, and it really adds oh, yeah. to all of the the bone bends and twists that are going on in the the cor- contortionist uh, sequences with Olga as a whole. Yeah, it's like for for me, like that is like the the cream of the crop for for the remake. That is going to be the one sequence of the movie that is always going to be the first thing that comes to my mind uh, in this case. Now, with that being said, in the remake, we also have, uh, you know, Sarah, who steps into a pit in the floor, uh, breaks her leg in in the process. Uh, you know, very painful scene. Again, another body horror one. Very agonizing, as, you know, we can see, like, the bone uh, protruding from her skin. Great play there. Uh, but, you know, we also don't have, like... You know, as I mentioned, like, we don't really have the Technicolor explosion like what we got with Patricia's fate in the uh, original. But in the remake, you know, we, we do come to the realization that she's been slowly rotting away in the in the bowels of the Academy, along with a number of other girls who have presumably, you know, been, uh, you know, dismissed from the Academy or, quote, gone missing. But, you know, primarily dismissed and, you know, had left, you know, the Dance Academy altogether. Uh, but really, they're just withering away in the darkness there. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I love the fact that like we, we just have that tone shift into the third act where, you know, we, we got the red light. We got the bathed gore coming into play. 
We also have like a little bit more of like a beastly monster type horror aspect in the end too, which, you know, we have like the ripping of people's heads off, which is like, it feels like so unexpected for, you know, what you uh, would think with a movie like this, because it, it's not like anything else that we had seen leading up to that point, And they definitely don't hold back in regards to, uh, to that either. Well, I mean, I think, well, okay. There's a lot of things about this that I kind of, that I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to skip past them. I think some of them with the themes in this movie, um, and especially the remake, um, there's a, a big piece of it where I think they're trying to cover people that like people that are in positions of power and how they tend to slap down people that are underneath them. Um, but then also as they're using like, you know, the German autumn um, and there's it, 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 one of those things where it doesn't matter really what nationality that you are, that you feel a little bit of, and I think what people were referred to as like national guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're guilty for who you are. Um, but then when, Susie is ultimately revealed to be Mother Suspirium. Um, you know, for the rest of the people, for Marcos and and then her followers, it's like, you know, it, it, she talks about being able to take, um, well, Sarah and Olga for sure, that, you know, she was compassionate towards them. That's what, that, that was her view, that she was compassionate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gave them what she called the gentle deaths. No, I'm not sure Olga's was a gentle death. That was pretty <laughs> fucking rough to me. Um, but she also didn't like shred them just and completely tear them apart, you know? So that was like her, her interpretation of her being quote unquote nice. Um, but I still, I still love the, the, uh, the psychologist. I got to find his name. Cause I, I should stop calling him. Is it? It's uh, a it, Joseph, uh, Klemperer. Klemperer? I'm, tr I'm trying to remember how I had it written down. Yeah, it's, yeah, Klemperer is it, yeah. Klemperer, yeah. And just, you know, how he how he goes back to that building at the end and he sees that marking on the end. There's uh, so many things I think that it... And I think we've already kind of already discussed it, but I think it bears repeating that like he, the, they do so much to expand the lore, but they also add some things in this story that the original never had. And... From my experience, when you do that with the remake, I mean, you're basically pulling the pin on a hand grenade, right? And things are just going to go absolutely to shit. And this is one of those rare movies where the things that they added actually added to the story. Um, it was fairly seamless, and you didn't feel like you were taken out of what you were watching. Because the when they had Klemperer in the scenes... A lot of those did feel a little abrupt, like we'd all of a sudden go, and here's the old guy walking down the street with his cane, you know, or here's the old guy sitting in his chair and he's making notes and doing whatever else. And it, the first time I saw him, I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is this? And, but by the third or fourth time you saw him, he was so seamlessly integrated that it didn't feel like the addition that it was. Um... And it sort of made you internally beg for more story, you know, like, okay, now I need to see what happens here too, which again is uh, with, with, with a remake, when you fuck with the original formula, that's, that's hard to pull off, 
You know, it's hard to it's hard to to go. Yeah, I'm going to put in uh, a tablespoon of salt versus a teaspoon and see what happens. You know, usually the recipe's fucked at that point. But they did a good job of sprinkling things in here and there and just keeping it and still keeping it despite its runtime. Its runtime might be a little bit long, but but keeping it still pretty tight and cogent and still telling a decent story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, really, the psychiatrist comes into play uh, mostly because of Patricia, who is, uh, you know, seeing Joseph Klemper uh, again. Played by Tilda Swinton uh, in one of her multiple roles in this movie. Uh, so what's important to note about the psychiatrist, you know, especially when we're talking about like the set in being in, you know, 1970s uh, Berlin, uh, you know, we have like this elderly man who is a Holocaust survivor. Uh, and, you know, he launches this investigation into the three mothers out of the worry for uh, Patricia, who is his patient. And, you know, he's kind of been, you know, dealing with, you know, a life of guilt for fleeing from the Nazis while his wife could not. You know, he has no idea what had happened to her. So, like, we don't know what her fate was, uh, much like Patricia and a lot of the other girls who had gone missing from the dance academy. Uh, now, he is, you know, eventually chosen by the coven to, like, bear witness to, you know, the ceremony towards the end of the movie. Uh, where he was like kind of like lured into the school by a vision of his wife, uh, who was actually played by Jessica Harper, who was the original Susie in the 77 Suspiria. Uh, so, you know, we we had like that was our like one nod to the original, really, uh, in this case. Uh, so, you know, he gets to bear witness to all of like these, you know, horrors that are going on with the coven as well as the Holocaust in Germany in basically the aftermath of uh, the Cold War at this point, uh, before eventually being freed of his memories by Mother Superiorum. And, like, that arc, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where if we're talking about the story, like, the inclusion of the psychiatrist is probably the biggest deviation, and it added a lot uh, to to the story as well, but yeah, it's it's like two and a half hours if I remember correctly, yeah. uh, compared to like the lean hour and a half of uh, of the original, which you know it, it it goes by pretty quick. But I I wouldn't say the remake's runtime felt like it was two and a half hours. Well, no, it didn't feel. It didn't feel bloated, like unnecessarily bloated. Um, it for me, it felt a little on the long side, but I also have to take that with a grain of salt, saying that I also got so much more story that ultimately that's okay to me. And especially when you introduce literally a slew of new characters, and I mean, and a few that were ended up being cannon fodder, but that kind of always happens. But this whole new, uh, part of the story that didn't exist before and then was ultimately so seamlessly integrated into the original story i mean that's nothing more than like a feat of magic at this point Mm -hmm. because that that does not happen usually if you take a remake and you try to interject some clever writers you know uh hey by the way what if we did this you and especially when it's a remake, and if you know the movie well, it seems slapdash. And it's like, you just like you were just throwing shit at a wall, and you just went with whatever stuck. And this was definitely not that, because that, that piece of the story, especially his observance of the ceremony, and then, like you said, being freed of his memories, but moreover being freed of his guilt, mm-hmm. was 
it was super profound. And it was just, it was one of those things that made you sit back in your chair and just go kind of like, wow. Like, I mean, because for with the, with the coven and their gathering at the end, for as much evil that was taking place, this was actually the complete opposite. Like, taking someone's bad memories and let and letting them finish out their life on the most positive note they could possibly could. I don't know how you get better than that in terms of positivity. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so really, it was uh, the Coven's compassion showing in this sequence, because, you know, Clemper Clem- at this point had had been through enough, and, you know, there's that great exchange between uh, him and, and, and Susie, or, or, you know, the modern in this case, uh, mm-hmm. about, like, what actually happened to Klemper's wife. You know, so they go through the whole ordeal where, you know, she, you know, she, she, she made a couple of friends despite the circumstances, but eventually was uh, left to die out in the cold. To, to just shorten it. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's more drawn out than that. But yeah, just to seeing the amount of expression just poured into that scene and then to, like, just get that that lift of guilt just completely washed away in a, in a feat of compassion when really the, the, the three mothers aren't known for that by, by, for, by any means. Well, it's funny though. Now that I think about what you just said and I put it into that context, the reality is that they made it worse before they made it better. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that you could, call it compassion I, I would struggle with that because i mean the reality is he didn't know what happened to his wife right True. and they showed him what happened and that's almost got to be like your worst dream come true right like you, you you you've been haunted by this guilt forever and ever and ever about the what if and then somebody takes out the what if part of it and you know but then they take away your memories of the whole thing so i, I boy I'm not sure compassion's the right <laughs> word there. Now that I think about it, it might be something much worse. But let's go with compassion because it just feels good. <laughs> hey, if he if if he's not gonna remember at the end of the day, then uh, what difference does the phrasing make at this point in time? <laughs> there you go. Uh, but there yeah, so 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 in the end, you know, with the Suspiria remake, obviously far witchier than the original, uh, which was. I would say more of like a dark fairy tale uh, in regards to just like the overall like story arc uh, that we get. Obviously, the original is a little bit more leaner in regards to the runtime, um, but it's it's just it's so interesting seeing how much shared DNA there is, but to see like how much different the viewing experiences are between the two. Um, so, sure, we might not have, like, the Technicolor fever dream of the original really portrayed at all until the third act. But the, there, it also, like, really adds to the third act of the remake, too, because, like, there there are moments where, you know, you kind of, like, have, like, that strobe light effect going on, too. Which I know for some people is definitely uh, disorienting, but when it's in red, you don't really feel it as much as if it was just a bright white light like we've gotten in, like, other films, uh, which would definitely drive the absolute Jesus out of me uh, at, at this point. But I will say, like, in regards to the music, obviously, like, that is outside of the colors. When we're talking about the 77 version, 
The Goblin soundtrack is always going to be the first thing that comes to people's mind when it comes to Suspiria. And what what I really appreciate about the remake is uh just seeing how they accommodate the dance numbers. Uh it, it's also scored by the Radiohead frontman. Uh Tom York, <laughs> which a lot of people probably don't know, uh, for the remake. And it's just it, it's just one of those like soundtracks, like to me, that is just like very haunting, but also like both sad and beautiful at the same time. And it also like really helped move things along. So two completely different experiences. You know, I, I do like both versions of the movie, which regardless of like how many differences there are, when we're talking about original versus remake, that is probably only going to be something that I'm going to say maybe 40% of the time. Because so many times like we're used to, you know, the money grab Americanized remakes coming out. And, you know, when we're talking about, like, the uh, Japanese remix, you know, there were two standouts and a bunch of hot garbage. And it's very easy for you to know which ones were great because we had already mentioned them on the podcast multiple times in the past. When we were doing our J-Horror deep dive. You know, the Reign of the Grudge, fantastic. Everything else, dog shit. Including, like, one of my favorite uh, Japanese movies that ended up getting remade uh, in the U.S. And it was just god-awful. Like, Dark Water. That's one of the reasons why I didn't include it, because I hated the remake so much. And I'm like, I'm not going to pick this. Uh, but in this case, one of the few exceptions where I can, I, I can honestly say, like, I really appreciate both movies for very different reasons. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I... <clears throat> I will go with this. So watching the OG Suspiria for Twisted Tuesday, um, my wife often comes down here and just kind of leans in and goes, wonder what they're watching. And with the original Suspiria, she was like, she watched for about five minutes and then went, nope. And she was <laughs> out. And again, she, she, anything that's about dance, like if I put on Black Swan right now, if she heard the music, she, all, all I would hear is, down the street, no, down the steps, and she'd be like, oh, I'm here. What are we watching? And with the remake of Suspiria, she came and she's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, I'm watching Suspiria. And she was like, oh, I said, I'm watching the remake. And she was like, oh. And she started to watch, and she was interested. And then when the scene with Olga came in, she was just like, oh, what the fuck? And she was just <laughs> like, and and she, she left for a bit. But then she sort of came back, and she had to see it again, and she was watching, and then we got like the, to that halfway through the third act, and she was like, oh my fucking god, and, she, and then she just <laughs> left again. But she probably saw, I bet she saw over an hour of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, so that, 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 that tells me that as uh, a horror person, the movie has probably a larger draw, probably has a better story. Um, and again, one of those rare times where I'm going to, I would, I'm like you, I, I almost always... I, like 40% of the time, I would say it's 4% of the time that a remake is going to top the original. So the, the Technicolor Nightmares we've been talking about, those movies usually don't hit me. They just, it, it doesn't matter what year they're from, who made them, whatever else. They just, it, you can, you can saturate a screen with color, whether it's, and, and let's face it, most of the times it's red because it's blood or whatever else. Um, and it just does not draw me in. Um, now I understand what it is for its, its sort of cult classic status and whatever else. 
But I, in terms of being a watchable, enjoyable, well-told story, the remake is far better. Far better. Yeah, and I, you know, I know when it, when it comes to opinions of uh, classic movies out there, you know, they're definitely pitchfork situations that, that come up. But yes, like, if we're talking about the original, specifically when it comes to, like, the cult classic label of Suspiria, I feel like the vast majority of that is less to do with the quality of the movie and more so just the fact that for most people... Suspiria was probably the their introduction for Italian cinema, you know, for jolly films. Um, but, you know, you can definitely make the argument that it is more style over substance. Uh, so story not really as fleshed out in, in the original, but it's very flashy. It, it grabs your attention. The remake, very story heavy. Uh, and, you know, like... I, I wouldn't say that's always going to be the correct path when it comes to the U.S. remakes, but this one does it so well that it feels like an exception to the rule. Yeah, the, the story-heavy part is usually not the way to go and usually is a... I, I often wonder who at the studio or who, wherever in the process, gave that... Or had that what if moment, like what if, um, and I would assume that that moment is refused or rejected nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, um, and for the one time that it's not rejected, out of say those ten thousand nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine times, there it wasn't a good idea. This is that one. This is that one out of one out of one that was really well done. It's a compelling story. The lore is expanded upon, which is fantastic. The, just the, the expanding lore of the three mothers is just absolutely great. Um, and it's still a body horror movie, which is great. It's a body horror movie with a great story, great characters. I mean, Tilda Swinton, come on. she just, it, it, The whole thing is so well put together and so well-rounded. Now, am I going to watch this a hundred times in the next month? Probably not. You know, um, I, it, you can only take so much crippling dance moves before you're just like, you know, I, I live through the 80s. I know who Michael Jackson was. I saw all that. Um, but it's still just it's still just a better movie. It's still a movie that you can sit down and watch. And <laughs> most of the Giallo movies are the get some buddies and get some beer movies. Yeah. You know, this is not buddies and beer movies. This is to sit down and pay attention. Otherwise, you're going to miss something. And there's a because I watched this movie twice, and there were things the second time that I did not see the first time, and I don't know why. Maybe because I, I, maybe I was a dumbass. I picked up my phone and got distracted, whatever. Um, but it's a it, it it's a quality movie. It's well done. It has a story to tell, and the story is fairly compelling. Yeah, you know, the the more I think about it, you know, I just I keep wondering, like maybe uh, when you were mowing the lawn. You know, what happened wasn't that. Maybe it was just, you know, the wifey doing an incantation in the house. <laughs> and you, know, you just had a, a knee-jerk reaction, you know, and then you ended up hurting yourself. And I popped my Achilles because yep. of my wife's witchcraft. Yep. You know what? To be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it past her. 
But me being crippled really has no gain in her world because Fair. now the stairs are a pain in the ass. So she just has to bring me beer as opposed to me <laughs> going to get it. So I, I don't, there's not a lot of net gain there, but maybe. <laughs> it backfired. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I could see it. I should have to, I'll have to convince her to do, um, when she gets through this year of changing jobs and finishing her education and everything, and she gets back into doing the, the independent productions that she's doing, I'll have to see if I can get her to do an independent ballet production of Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Because her, her, the ladies that she does ballet with are, the most high energy, fun, creative group of people that I know. I mean, and hey, I know a lot of engineers, so I know some creative people. No, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Engineers are not creative. Um, anyway, I just I this seems like something that her group could take and could have such a fucking ball with that it would just be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there it's the most intriguing group because when she when she first got her first idea, say it must be six or seven years ago now. Um, the very the very first ballet that she produced, directed, wrote, choreographed, and did all the costumes for. I did the props. Thank you very much. Um, I'll take that. But it was called Zombies and Pirouettes. <clears throat> That's what it was called. And you know what? It was fantastic. So... Anyone who's interested, go on YouTube and find a thing called Zombies and Pirouettes and watch it. And you will see creative bliss because that's just what it was. And to be perfectly honest, I think that ties well into the remake of Suspiria because it was creative bliss. People had a lot of fun with this. They told a great story. Now, yes, the colors were very, like I said, save it, Private Ryan. I like, like, wow, that's a lot of fucking olive drab and brown. Like, <laughs> like, like, why? I mean... I mean, I know it was 1977 Berlin, but could you guys not afford blue dye? I mean, like somebody had to have some somewhere. Um, Still, yeah, one of those rare times. The remake was better than the original, and that's not often said. And I'm kind of interested because going into next week, um, this movie has a tie-in with one of the actresses to our next um, uh, Is It Better or Is It Worse uh, double feature. Um, and that's Chloe Grace Moretz. So, um, I think one of the more, one of the more, fun, more underrated actresses of our time. Um, most of the things that she's been in, I've had a great deal of fun with. I mean, everything, and even down to the, like the movie kick ass, mm-hmm. like she was great in that, you know, I mean, and I understand what that movie is, but once I understand what that movie is, it just makes me that much more able to have fun with it. So, um, I'm looking forward to our next, uh, incantation of the double feature because i think it's going to be kind of fun yep so looking ahead at next week we have let the right one in which came out in 2008 uh Mm -hmm. and then the u.s remake which was let me in which came out in 2010 uh now as i mentioned i'm not i've not seen the remake since i initially saw it in theaters nor have I. So it's so been a fun. very long time. I remember having mixed emotions about it after that that show in. Um, but you know, let the right one in is definitely one of those vampire movies. Um, that was just so unique and just done differently. That the the overall story really stands out amongst the pack. Now, am I gonna say it's like in my top three for like vampire movies across the board? Probably not, 
but it does things so differently that it's it's always going to be a movie that I really appreciate. Um, and the, the the other one that I brought up uh, during Twisted Tuesday was Only Lovers Left Alive. Another mm. great vampire flick, which is uh, more music oriented, with uh, just the fact that like the guy like uh, likes to buy a ton of albums and guitars because he's a collector. Uh, but another like really unique portrayal of that you know specific trope um but yeah it, it should be I, i'm looking forward to it because you know let the right one in it was just such a standout it was one of the festival hits it, it definitely became a cult classic um obviously i think the ending of that movie is just a masterpiece just the way that it was done now granted i i still have like one gripe with the ending but you know i'll save that for next week but, you know, Let Me In brought in uh, a director that had a great track record. I'll uh, lead it into it. Because uh, that was Matt Reeves who did that one. Well, that one has... I mean, it's funny because I thought of... Well, okay, so I think like 2023 has been off to a less than mediocre start when it comes to horror. Um... So it by virtue of that, I sort of have to go back to the previous year and go, oh, what did I like? Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of movies um, from 2022 that I think must have taken some inspiration from Let the Right One In. Um, and I think that's uh, Speak No Evil and The Innocents. I think both took some heavy inspiration. And th the inspiration obviously is, you know, having children as our main actors. Now, let the right one in did something fairly crazy, I think, in one of its scenes, which I don't think could be done today. And we will talk about that next week, <laughs> obviously. Um, but there's something there's something primordial about having children as your main actors and having children do everything. Um, and I think when it comes to movies and trying to be, and I'm not even going to use the term afraid, but being creeped out or have your skin crawl or just being uncomfortable, having the, having the child actors does a phenomenal job at that. Mm -hmm. um, and The Innocents and Speak No Evil both did a great job of that. Um, but I think Let the Right One In probably... For kid movies, we'll call them, I mean, and I, kid movies is maybe not the right term, but um, the, the, just the, the overall, just, bleh, just, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, very palpable. Um, I think the only other movie that I can think of, well, I suppose those two are good. The Hatching, The Hatching was also one that was very, yuck factor because of the age of the participants in the melee that was going on mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm i i'm i'm anxious to rewatch. let me in and then compare the two um i honestly kind of think i already know who the winner is um but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything without giving the other movie its due diligence and so like i said watched you know both of these last two movies the suspirias um each each got two watches and each got an honest uh, honest opinion. Um, 
But yeah, man, next week's going to be fun because for me, it's just me, when it comes to, we'll call it creature features, borderline hammer horror, whatever else, Mm -hmm. vampires tend to be my least favorite of the group. Same. Um, So to know that we have one movie that is utterly fantastic and one that I don't have a thought on yet um, is going to be honestly pretty fucking fun. So. Yep. So, uh, so for those that don't know, we'll be recording that episode on Sunday evening. So expect to have let the right one in versus let me in coming out Sunday night uh, for you guys. Uh, so we had a double recording this week to make up for lost time. And of course, you know, we already got our other selections lined up for later on in the month below. We'll let you know more about that uh, on Sunday when we sit down for our next recording. Emily Browning. <laughs> so, yep, definitely go check out uh, Suspiria and Suspiria and also let the rent one in and let me in ahead of this Sunday's recording. But in the meantime, hope you guys enjoy your week. Don't forget uh, to join us on Tuesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time for Twisted Tuesdays over on kick at kick.com forward slash Emily Drunk. And uh, yeah, I'm just I- I'm looking forward to it because it's like we 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 set a tone that was like, all right, you know, we we scared the shit out of Emily one week. <laughs> then we <laughs> we we we, we, we kind of like wheeled her back in uh with the technicolor fever dream mm-hmm. uh you know i was talking to her earlier today about let the right one in she she loved that one um so i i think like so far you know this is someone who's really not into the genre uh let the right one in has kind of like been the, the her top pick so far uh that that she's enjoyed so i'm I, i'm really curious to see like and like developing like okay like what is what is going to become her taste in horror? Like, what are going to be the movies that she's going to appreciate versus not? And, you know, go figure. The the scariest pick for, uh, in, in regards to, like, what's actually displayed, and obviously the lighting definitely had a ton to do with that in regards mm-hmm. to the wreck, tends to be the one that freaked her out the most. So, can't really say I'm surprised <laughs> uh, on that front, but it's... It's it's been an interesting thing, you know. It's always nice to uh, bring in some more fiends to the Tuesday night watch parties, and hopefully, you guys can join us for future show wins as well. Always, 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 always. <laughs> Jess, Wood, M, guys, keep coming. Maybe we'll be nice and we'll do something simple and pure, like I don't know, Terrifier Two or something like that. <laughs> something, Something simple and wholesome. Yep. That should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. With a with a side serving of mashed potatoes. <laughs> you know what? Everyone loves mashed potatoes. That okay? is true. Buy buy the faithful even. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I to defend to defend that scene, he does have a little half ass maid's uniform on with a little so I mean mm-hmm. that, I think one or two people we know might be into that. So <laughs> Why not give it a try? <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, that will do it for us here tonight on the Hand of Scare. We'll see you guys back on Sunday for Let the Right One In versus Let Me In. You guys have a good night. Dance your ass off.